This Thacker Slate podcast is hosted by Connie Thacker and Allison Slate, two experienced attorneys who believe honesty, transparency, and knowledge are key to achieving the best legal outcomes. A variety of topics, particularly those related to sensitive family law matters, are candidly covered by Connie and Allison in a way that's refreshing, timely, and practical for listeners. I'm here with Allison today, and we're going to talk to you about business valuations and uh, how important they are in the divorce process. So if you're a business owner, this is something really important for you to listen to and how your business is going to be valued. And if you're the non-business uh, owner, you also want to uh, pay attention to this podcast so that you know uh, what you're looking for in terms of going through the business valuation in the divorce uh, context. Uh, Allison and I are fortunate enough that um, we have uh, experience in business evaluation, not only from the practical sense, but also having attended and completed all the business valuation classes that most of the business evaluators uh, have to take and uh, pass their exam on. We've completed those and also have completed the divorce financial analyst um, accreditation. And so our firm is uniquely uh, different from other law firms because we do uh, have that uh, specialty. So when you're looking for a law firm to really get involved in the business valuation, you need to come to us uh, because frankly, we know what we're doing in the area of business valuation. And we're going to talk to you now about some of the qualifications uh, of the business evaluator uh, because it's actually a, uh, an individual that is appointed to value your case as your expert. Exactly. And you can have a joint expert. Uh, you could both agree to use one uh, business valuation expert, or you can each have your own, which would be an expensive ordeal, but it's often required. Uh, that person has specific training, as Connie mentioned. They've been through specific coursework on business valuation, and they're not your average CPA. Uh, certainly, when you're looking at getting a business valuation, I think a lot of business owners really rely on their CPA and they've had and developed that relationship with their CPA. But when you're in our shoes as the attorney in the case, you really want to have someone who can, who's, who's good at testifying, who can be a good witness, and who has this particular qualification. Uh, it's sort of uh, interesting to see uh, when people want to use their CPA because I have to really reorient their thinking because having a CPA with a business valuation expert on the other side, it's really not apples to apples, it's apples to oranges. And you need to have uh, a business valuation expert for you as well. And it's really important, as Allison said, to get that business valuator up and running relatively quickly because there's a list of documents that's generally uh, thought of in the industry that we are always going to have to have. And a few of those include, we're going to need the last five years of the financial statements, the last five years of the tax returns, the interim financial statements, um, the accounts receivable, uh, the shareholder and buy-sell agreement. And this is always a big question that we get is, is the shareholder buy-sell agreement binding on the court as it relates to determining the value of the corporation? And the general answer to that is no. So you can't go out there and create a buy-sell agreement or the shareholders agreement and say in the event of the divorce, uh, the business is going to be valued at $10. Uh, that's just simply not going to work. And the court could consider the methodology that you have in the shareholders agreement for determining the value, but the court is not bound by that. So your shareholders agreement uh, valuation is um, a historical piece that the court will look at, but it's not bound by that. The other thing that we also need is uh, details on stock transactions, uh, depreciation schedules, 
uh, significant leases, uh, key uh, management employees, what are their duties? Uh, do you have any non-reoccurring or reoccurring or discretionary expenses? We're also going to want to look at the credit cards. And we look at the credit cards for the income support issue. Exactly. With respect to um, self-employed individuals, support can really become a difficult issue to nail down and to calculate. Uh, Self-employed individuals enjoy a lot of discretion in compiling their tax returns every year, and that discretion can really have some effect on the support figures. I mean, we had that case not too long ago, Connie. I recall that you know we're looking at the assets, and it's they've got house after house, they've got rental properties, they've got a boat, they've got you know new hot tub they just purchased for ten thousand dollars. They had significant assets, and I look at their return, and it says their annual income is nineteen thousand dollars. Yeah, the income tax returns don't always tell us really what's going on. Oftentimes, we have to look at the lifestyles of the parties to see. But some of the other documents, too, that the business valuator is going to want right away uh, would include uh, any information regarding pending or potential litigation. Is someone suing the business? Uh, We've got a case now where there's a wrongful death claim uh, pending against a trucking company, and the question is, what impact would that have on the value? But as Allison indicated, uh, a big thing that we're looking at is what personal expenses of the business owner are really run through the corporation because we want to add those back in for uh, support purposes, whether it's child support or spousal support calculations, because we don't want that person to be running all those business expenses through there. Uh, The business valuators always ask us for uh, budgets and budget projections, and they want to know what sort of fixed asset appraisals we have. uh, If the company owns... um, real property, then the real property is going to have to be appraised in outside of the actual business valuation. So there'll be an appraisal for the building and then there'll be an appraisal for the um, for the business itself. And then the, the big issue is always, how much is this going to cost me? Uh, exactly. And so some of the retainers that we're seeing for some of the top business valuation experts in town start at $5,000. I see a lot of business valuations that uh, cost around $10,000, but if this person has to testify, throw those numbers out the window and it can get even more expensive. Uh, It's certainly not a cheap process, but if you are the spouse that's going to be paid and you are relying on that money, you're going to want to have a business valuation because you don't want to just simply walk away. Another issue that comes up in business valuation too is what's the date of value? And uh, generally speaking, the date of value is up to the court to decide. So is the date of value going to be the date that the complaint was filed? And then a year later, you're at trial. And is the trial date going to be the date of value? It really depends on the judge. But generally, most judges use the um, date of trial as it relates to the valuation. But as Allison has indicated, uh, it, it can be very costly to do the business valuations. I mean, we've seen some of them as high as seventy-five dollars to $100,000 to value multi-million dollar uh, businesses because a lot goes uh, into them. So the cost can be there. And then sometimes we have questions from the client about the business paying the cost. And that really just depends on the business owners. And if they're just going to get their business valued, then that's an appropriate expense. And then maybe the company pays that uh, expense for the cost to do it. But oftentimes you have multiple partners involved or share shareholders involved and they're all not in an agreement to do that uh, business valuation and pay that cost for the divorcing shareholder. 
I often see too that people uh, wonder how how they're going to pin a value on their business because it's a closely held business and there's no business that really models that business in a, a, a good fashion. So with respect to those, the business valuation experts will go out into the marketplace and try to find comparables. And then in addition, because it's a closely held business, they will take deductions uh, and various different percentages and multiples uh, to account for lack of marketability and other things associated with that business. Yeah, the discounts are really big in terms of, you know, what the court's really trying to do is determine what's the value of the business if it were being sold on the street. And we always can't answer that because it's a minority shareholder. So if I'm only owning 10 or 15% of a company, who's really going to want to buy that? Because uh, they're not going to want to be in business with other people that they don't know. So they don't want to buy uh, into that business. So there's a big discount for lack of marketability, just general discounts that could apply that the uh, business valuators do uh, themselves. But one other big issue that comes up is, um, can we take deductions for taxes and for sales? Exactly. And with respect to the potential tax impact of a sale, it certainly uh, is something that your CPA will be telling you, absolutely, we need to take that into consideration because if and when we do sell or we get out of this business or someone retires, those taxes are going to need to be paid. Um, But in reality, most courts, and I think that the legal system doesn't really provide for that. What we're doing uh, in our cases is determining the value as it sits today, and we can't speculate as to what might happen in the future uh, and what the tax impact might be. So in summary, if you are a business owner or you are a spouse of a business owner, it's imperative that you find out all of the information related uh, to the business. And then the big issue becomes at the end, once we figure out the number and we divide that by two, how is that going to get paid? And oftentimes we want to ask for security agreements or security to be held uh, through the stock so that we can make sure that the payments are going to be made because you as the non-business owner essentially become the bank. And what's the interest rate going to be and what's the security are all issues that you need to consider as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Thacker Slate podcast. If you have additional questions, do not hesitate to contact us at 616-888-3810 or visit our website, thackerslate.com, for additional information. 